Welcome back to another episode of Ag Watchers with Matt Douglas and myself, Andrew Whitelaw. Uh, Matt, how's it going? What's uh, what's it like being just outside the lockdown zone? Oh, it's it's, uh, it's pleasant. Um, although uh, the uh, the current wife came home today with some material for face masks, so it looks like the kids' schools might be going into wearing face masks as a voluntary measure. An old, uh, an old pair of jocks from the uh, the washing line. If you yeah, use one of mine, they'll definitely keep the people away, that's for sure. Uh, so what's been, uh, we just want to keep this a, a bit of a short and sharp one, because we had a, a big long discussion with, with Margot the, uh, from, from APL early on in the week, and we've got another one due to release on Monday with uh, a very outspoken uh, pastoralist. So yeah, let's just keep this one short and sharp. What, what's happening in livestock? Well, look, the interesting one this week, Andrew, was the continued closures, I guess, of uh, processes around Victoria. Um, we've had the uh, midfield meets that closed, uh, even without a, a virus there. They just were concerned that there was a meat worker, uh, uh, one of the inspectors that had come through uh, from the Colac plant that had closed and did have viruses, so they closed theirs as well as the safeguard measure. Um, and obviously, we've had the JBS one that was closed a fortnight or so ago, so... Um, that impacted markets. Um, in terms of price impact, it's been mainly felt uh, in the sheep and lamb space this week. Uh, we've seen Eastern State straight lamb into cattle 70 cents, down to around 7.51 as uh, this of those closes, and heavy lambs off 96 cents, so that was a big drop. So they're now below 700 cents, they're at 6.85 cents uh, carcass weight. Um, the interesting thing is though that when you look at the impact on lamb prices and sheep prices, um, They've actually, we've seen sell-offs uh, across not just Victoria. Uh, it's also been prices coming off in North, uh, New South Wales and South Australia as well in the eastern states area. So I'm suspecting that some of the price uh, fall could have been related to, you know, lower slaughter uh, levels and that. But um, what, 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 is, what is the slaughter levels? Like uh, the, look, the, if you look at sheep, Victorian sheep are actually down 78% from the five-year trend as of last week. Um, and compare it to New South Wales, they're down 72%, but that's for sheep. I mean, New South Wales, the sheep reduction is probably a bit to do with the drought there. Um, but it's the real, the real significant difference is in the lamb numbers. So New South Wales lamb numbers uh, in terms of slaughter are down 8% last week, um, whereas Victorian ones were down 21% from the five-year trend for this time of the year. So you can see that for lamb, at least, that the closures have impacted slaughter levels for lamb and um, may have flown through some of it to price, but um, I think that part of that price movement as well could also just be um, the export markets as well, um, suffering a little bit with demand issues around um, the spread of COVID and some of the key export places that we send our sheep meat to. Um, so that's the, the big kind of story. Interesting that I looked at as well was just the impact of those closures when we had similar closures in meatworks in the US, um, just to see what the impact was there. When was that back in March, April? Uh, yeah, it was April, uh, April when the US really went into a big closure and it was obviously impacting more the cattle side of the market there and, and their pork sector. But I just focused in on the cattle side just to see what was the, the impact to price. And you've got to remember that in the US, it was a much bigger, more widespread. It was impacting more of their uh, processing sector, probably about 35% of their capacity. Whereas here, it's probably only about you know, 20 or so percent of um, Victorian capacity, um, maybe maybe 25 uh, so the um, the US experience was that um, during the time that they had their closures, you saw 
uh, cattle prices in Australia are dropped by about 20% um, you know, over the month of, of April, basically. And it took them about a month to get back to kind of normal again after that, um, uh, which was the, the impact. The interesting with the US, and we haven't quite seen it here yet in Australia, was uh, while those livestock prices were coming into the US by 20%, um, because of the reduction in product going into the retail level and um, and reduced amounts going through the wholesale sector because the processes weren't doing as much. They did see wholesale meat prices increase by about 100%. Um, you know, uh, so we haven't quite seen it float through to shortages uh, or significant shortages in the supermarket yet, or and it doesn't appear to be impacting the wholesale level uh, to a huge degree just yet. And I think you know it looks like it's going to be a, a reasonably short-term impact. So um, I don't think it's going to be very problematic if they can get on top of it all, but it's just one of those things we've got to keep watching and seeing. I think um, it'll probably be what's happening in Victoria is probably a bit of a, a learning point for like in New South Wales and other states, they'll be looking at and thinking, right, let's not get into that situation. So I, I imagine abattoirs will be uh, increasing their sort of uh, <laughs> their sort of protection to to avoid this in in, in the future. Because it does look. This it seems to be that meatworks around the world seem to be overwhelmingly impacted. Like even in the UK, we're seeing some of the sort of things. Obviously, the US. So. I guess it comes back to what we were saying last week. It's this this COVID thing's probably not going to go away. No, no, that's right. That's a, that's key to make sure it doesn't spread. Because we saw it, it actually a couple of days back. Uh, Ingham's uh, in Thomastown, they got it in there, and they had five workers in the chicken one. So it's not just you know affecting the red meat space; it's flying into the chicken abattoirs, and, and obviously abattoirs, given how closely they work together, and in that colder climate where potentially the virus might be able to sustain uh, a longer period of time, you know. Uh, you know, on, on surfaces and stuff, potentially this cold, so it just means they've got to be extra extra vigilant, which by the looks of things, they, the processes have been doing all the right things, particularly that, I was very impressed with the action of that one at Warrnambool, Midfield makes it, um, didn't have any cases, but closed down anyway at a significant cost to them. Um, just one to protect the community, of course, but also um, to make sure that they weren't you know, involved in the spread of the virus. And, and subsequently, after you know, two or three days of closure, they've checked all the staff, which is nearly a thousand people, I believe. And they've found that, um, that yeah, no one had it. So they're, they're, they're kind of able to get back up and running again shortly. So um, that, should be all, that should be all fine for them. Um, but yeah, just- But it costs them. They're doing the right thing, you know. Um, the interesting cattle markets, um, you know, we've seen this, this sell off in, in sheep and lamb markets uh, price wise, but the cattle markets, even, even though we've seen on the east coast um, about 20% lower slaughter this time compared to this this week or last week, I should say, compared to the five-year trends, um, their prices actually haven't come off that market. Or in, in some categories, they've actually gone up. So your eastern young cattle indicators up 10 cents on the week to 7.52, and heavy steers um, up about three cents to 3.61. So if you look at that, those prices, 3.61 on a live weight basis. Um, so if you look at that uh, from a historical perspective. Um, the cattle markets uh, has, has been able to um, have very limited impact so far um, to this disruption of COVID, which has it's been a positive for, for cattle producers. That's that's pretty much it for, for livestock in this uh, this week. I think Andrew, what have you got for us in the? Oh well, I was, I was going to start with uh, with livestock as well. Right, yeah. That's how you know. Well, uh, cutting my lunch. Your lunch, you know. There's plenty of people out there that seem to be able to do livestock analysis and and grains analysis. So. I thought I'd, I'd, I'd jump in and I did I'd, I'd a quick bit of bit of livestock work this morning. Uh, not as not as in depth as you, but looking at those pork numbers, 
into China, uh, June 400,000 tons of pork, uh, according to Chinese customs data. And that's, that's, that's big amounts. Like when you look at last year, uh, last June, 160,000 tons. Mm. And, and obviously African swine fever, you know, really started to take off last year. Uh, but also as well as that, you had January, February and most of March was pretty much no imports whatsoever. So it could be a bit of a combination of, you know, catching up on imports that, that didn't make it. But I think also a bit of it is potentially that combination of requiring it as African swine fever, but also that phase one deal. Mm. And and looking at the projections, yeah, it's it's gonna be a real real big task for them to get to, you know, 36.5 US billion. Uh, when yeah, January to May it was something like six billion. It doesn't leave that long to get the remaining thirty billion dollars. That's right. I think I put up a tweet uh fortnight ago, I think it was on might have been my private account at Meat Meat Watcher underscore meat underscore watcher or whatever the Twitter account is there that showed uh, how the Chinese um, agricultural products were tracking um, this year if you look at how much they had to get by the end of the year they were, they were running behind by a reasonable amount so um, if, uh, if this is where that halfway through the year they're going to have to do some significant catch up for the remaining six months to, to get anywhere near that target. And but I just thought it was interesting seeing those those stats those pork numbers and it you know it'll be interesting to see what they whether that sort of starts to fall back down in the coming months. But, because they are talking about how they're recovering from African swine fever. Mm. I saw a report on one of the news wires that the flooding in uh, you know, the mm. we've been seeing in China has actually exacerbated the spread of uh, ASF again. Well, um, well, that's what they were finding in, in some of the other countries where they had African swine fever. I can't remember exactly which country it was, but it might have been... Papua New Guinea, uh, it was actually in the water table mm. from from farm to farm. Uh, but yeah, like I think it's going to be an interesting one. And, and talking about floods, they're, they're talking about the Three Gorges ja- Dam mm. has, uh, quotation marks, deformed, which is, has the potential to cause, you know, make COVID look like a, a minnow compared to a uh, to a disaster if that dam was to collapse but anyway going, going on to grains it's been pretty pretty flat really on in in local terms if we look at like sort of asx uh, we're down a little bit but volume's been very low uh, this time of year is probably the most exciting time apart from you know harvest in australia uh, on a global level most of the grains crop is is starting to get harvested or, or being harvested and at the end of the day this period of time basically june through to august is really what sets the price for the rest of the year pretty much because that's where if there's an issue price is going to go up if there's no issues price is going to stay flat or or start to decline and what we're starting to see is look there's a couple of downgrades igc downgraded world wheat production off the back of uh, lower forecasts for Russia and and the EU. Uh, the reality is we're still sitting on, you know, reasonable stocks or really good stocks when we inc- include China. Uh, but it is getting to a point, and it has been for the last couple of years, is that we really need the big disaster 
to get prices driving massively. And we've had, you know, downgrades in Russia. You know, we're talking, what, between 76 to 78 million tons a week? 10 years ago, or even five years ago, that would have been considered a good crop. Um, and we look back to 2010 when they had to basically put an export ban on Russian wheat because it was so poor. So I think we've been got on a stage for the last couple of years where, yes, there's been small issues around the place. And Australia's obviously had it pretty bad. Uh, but there's not been the huge blowout in the likes of US, Russia, or... Uh, Europe to actually drive things to like the, the astronomical levels. <clears throat> and that's what, like I put a chart out yesterday uh, looking at the min, max and average over the last uh, couple of years. And that's where you actually start to see when the stock to use does drop, you start bigger variances and bigger maximums. Uh, but over the last couple of years, we start to see that the difference between the min and the max and the average is very, very narrow range. Uh, yeah. just, that, that kind of oversupply of grain is it yeah, just from the perspective. And and even if you look, I did a I haven't put a chart out yesterday yet actually, but I did a chart last night. That's how exciting my life is at eleven o'clock at night looking at charts. I did a stock to use of all grains, so everything from rice to rye, and even the stocks to use on that is pretty high on a global level. So we are well supplied, and I think just we're in for continued boring markets really, until we get a disaster. And I just don't think that disaster is going to be here this year. I think, I think enough disasters this year to contend with not require a big supply shock in the grain space, though, isn't it? I think, uh, <clears throat> but, yeah. And the big question mark is demand. Hmm. How much demand has been eradicated by restaurants? Like how much food is no longer getting wasted? Um, how many food products that people would buy in a store? Okay, people are buying more more sort of food for uh, for cooking at home, but how much has been 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 reduced, and and how much buying power has gone? I still like I'm like I think we've just seen our deficit in Australia blow up to the worst since the Second World War. I still think there's more to come on this. We're 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 pretty much got an economy backed up by JobKeeper in a lot of cases, and we're probably doing better than most places in the world. Economy-wise, I would say. For sure, yeah, definitely. So anyway, that's my 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 bit on it. But basically, the, the market's pretty flat, <clears throat> and uh, this time of year again is a time when it's very volatile, and it tends to provide some opportunities. And we have seen some pretty high prices in the last couple of months uh, that that people could have participated in. So really, that's that's about it. Um, Hit the music. Yeah, so yeah, we'll hit the music and uh, get the washboard out and uh, we'll go from there. And uh, we'll have another podcast out on, probably put it on Monday morning. And that yeah, was, was a really, yeah. really long-form discussion with a lot of good points. And uh, we'll go from there. Let's get this fired up online. See you when you've got nothing on. Ciao for now.